Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. everyone out there big dave and joe another edition of poker action line lots of news here in south florida uh, different uh, venues here uh, of course we got to get to the latest on daniel negreanu it's always got to be a part of the show but we'll we'll start out with uh, uh, a letter i got uh, online uh, one of our listeners uh, keeps me posted on some things he hears about uh in the legislature and with the division of parimutuel wagering and that sort of thing and sent me a note uh, charles uh, sent me a note about uh, Gulfstream Park, and his title of his uh, email was, I guess this means that Gulfstream is not planning on operating for the fiscal year upcoming in the poker room. And uh, he attached the the statement, an operating license from uh, the Division of Paramutual Wagering for Gulfstream Park that says, uh, basically, uh, Gulfstream Park Racing and Casino is hereby granted a license by the Division of Paramutual Wagering to operate a card room, which is the kind of normal part. And then the next line says, having a maximum of one card table and may conduct only those games operated op- or authorized by the Florida statutes. So, uh, Joe, I guess you can fill me in on this, but I guess what it means is they don't really plan on operating, but they don't want to lose the license. So this is kind of a... Uh, uh, going through the motions kind of deal. That would be my guess too, Dave. I think you hit the nail on the head there, buddy. Uh, you know, they're, they're, it, one table, you're not opening up. Nobody, No one's ever going to open up a one-table room in a big casino. Um, they did have, I, you'd have to correct me, Dave, but I think they had somewhere over 20 tables, right, or close Something to like 20 that. tables. Something like that, and, yeah. Um, and they did pretty decent business. Their numbers were always pretty decent for down here especially with the stiff competition that we all have, you know, you know, trying to get these uh, card players into our room. Um, so my only guess, and this is strictly an educated guess on my part, is they kept options open by getting that. Yeah, you know, I played uh, in a few tournaments there. They had a nightly tournament, and I played a few times and had some fun. Uh, I would say the room was never completely full, but maybe about half full most of the time. And and our good friend Scott Poole that ran the room, I actually spoke with him today because I got this note, and I was confused as to what it meant. So I gave Scott a call. Uh, he's actually been out of there. They have been closed since uh, March the 13th, which was one of the first uh, card rooms and casinos to close back uh, a little about a year and a half ago. And uh, they have not operated the poker room since. They, of course, returned to horse racing and they've had some crowds in there and they're operating their casino. But there is no card room. And basically, Scott left there in November of last year when they uh, it was pretty obvious they weren't going to bring it back. And they paid him uh, for about a year or so, he told me. So uh, it was a pretty good deal for him uh, financially. And um, he really has no interest in going back and working in the business again. So uh, uh, he's out of there and uh, he's having a good time. So uh, all's well that ends well there. But we had some good relationships with them. And he had, they actually sponsored my show for several years here. And uh, I, would, I will always consider Scott a, a big part of my early success. 
Yeah, and he's a really nice guy. On top of on top of you know being a very good poker room manager and doing a great job there, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, it really was. He uh, so the, they uh, he hired Mark Perlman, who's right. been on our show before, right. and you know you asked him and he did hire him and out. was very happy with the job he did. Yep, yep. So uh, you know, you know, success. I wish him nothing but success and whatever his next uh, adventure in life is going to be. Yeah, you know? abs- absolutely. Uh, so they, uh, that's the situation there. Uh, most of the other rooms made a comeback, I would say some more successful than others. I still know that the aisle, while they're trying hard are not doing anywhere near what the kind of business they did before. But, uh, I would say magic city is basically up to the regular numbers that they had boasted in the past. And uh, a lot of places have moved on to uh, a pretty good situation. Well, let me tell you, Dave, uh, I would imagine, you know, whenever the decision was made, um, I don't know if it was put on the back burner or they just outright said, you know, we're not sure. If they kept paying them until January, whatever it was you mentioned on this year, that means they still had to have had a thought in their head that they might, you know, reopen that room. But as you well know, because you're still at Dania, every single card room down here is looking for dealers. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one, because once the, you know, before some of the rooms opened here, and I think I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show, a lot of our dealers from Dade and Broward uh, have moved up, you know, have moved to Texas and uh, doing, you know, fantastic numbers, money-wise tips from, from everybody that I've heard about, you know, and um, guess what? <laughs> he would have had a tough time trying to open up a room now. You know, because yeah, everybody imagine. and they're trying to poach other rooms, dealers, you know, which uh, I lost a dealer last week to one of our competitors. And uh, luckily, I signed up an old friend. You remember George Lopez? Yeah, I do. Sure. Yeah, he's back working with me. Very Wonderful good. man. Um, and a, and a you know, beautiful young woman uh, who worked there before, Kelly, who's going to start god willing next monday on the 7th uh so you know you have no idea how long it's been taking me to get these people and i'm very grateful because they came couldn't have come at a better time after losing uh you know one of my better dealers uh yeah and and not only better but reliable yeah for sure for sure so anyway they are uh doing uh good business there uh, the Palm Beach Kennel Club starting a big tournament starting tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, June the 2nd, uh, a $50,000 guarantee monster stack tournament, $240 buy-in. And they also have a couple of uh, PLO tournaments and uh, horse tournaments over the next couple of days. So they have a whole series here called the Palm Beach Summer Classic. So that gets underway uh, as of June the 2nd. We'll run through the 13th. And uh, there's plenty of stuff to do, and you got a big tournament this Sunday as well. Yes, I do. Uh, it's not a big one, but for us, it's a very fun tournament. It's a five thousand dollar guarantee, twenty five hundred guaranteed for first place. We've exceeded uh, those numbers in every tournament that we've had up till now. It's only one a month, but we've had fun. You know, it does bring in uh, a lot of new faces for that day. We've been able to, you know, see some of those faces come in on some of our bigger promotions during the week and uh hopefully we can cultivate some of these players into uh 
making Casino Miami Poker Room their home their their home uh, court. So for them, so absolutely, absolutely, that's should what be great we're hoping uh, for as well. Uh, lots of news out there in the world of poker. Uh, I guess the biggest news comes out of Connecticut, where uh, the state of Connecticut, although a small state, uh, now becomes the seventh state in the country to regulate and legalize online poker. Uh, they will get underway soon as they passed the bill last week and, uh, the governor signed the bill, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, on May 27th. So they're saying they're going to be presenting a modernized gaming experience that positions them for success into the future. And they'll be tied in with the tribal, uh, organizations, the Mohegan Sun and the Foxwoods, uh, for certain things, not for, uh, I believe, um, uh, online poker because I think the uh, casinos are going to be offering uh, sports betting. So uh, we'll see what happens. I don't think they're going to be doing the online poker. I think that's going to be a separate thing, but uh, we'll get some news uh, over the next week or two uh, as they uh, put that through. Um, the Department of the Interior, which runs all the Indian gaming tribes, has now one more thing on their plate as they have uh, 45 days to decide whether to allow for the expansion of gaming, obviously not, not just there, but down here as well. So uh, there might be some legal challenges. We all know that, but uh, we'll see what happens here. And it uh, looks like along with Michigan and West Virginia and the first four states that were already pretty much uh, set up and, and, and moving forward, we'll have seven states when this uh, gets finished up. And we'll see what happens with online gaming in New York and a couple other places that have uh, expressed an interest. Uh, the state of Illinois thought they were going to be moving forward, but uh, it doesn't look really good right now, to be honest. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, well, you know, you have your anti-gambling people all over the country. I'm glad for Connecticut. Um, and like you said, uh, it, you know, sports betting is probably the big one that they, they were going for there, obviously. And challenges will probably, you know, come up from the anti-gamblers. I don't see, I don't know about you, Dave, but I don't recall the Department of Interior ever denying uh, any, any, uh, no, any tribal, I don't, I don't believe any tribal commissions from opening up or expanding gambling in their state. So. Yeah, anything that's positive for the tribes, I think, Absolutely. is uh, pretty much a rubber so. stamp situation. <laughs> Exactly. That I, I, you know, I, I can't envision them not doing that. Um, envision them, excuse me. And uh, so, yeah, that's great. The the more the merrier. Hopefully, they'll start putting some, you know, pressure on some of the other states like ours. You know, Florida always seems to lag lag way behind. You know, some of the more. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for for. Some more of these other states that always seem to get on top and, and, and get a big advantage and, you know, create revenue. Our state seems to always be uh, behind the eight ball a couple of years at least, if, if not a whole lot more, before they open their eyes and realize, you know, right. that the revenue and some of the good that it can produce. Uh, some other news about uh, poker in the state of Florida. A big tournament coming up in Tampa uh, starts Wednesday, June the 9th. Uh, it is their big series up there that they're uh, looking forward to holding here. Uh, starts out with a $500 buy-in tournament on Wednesday the 9th. And the uh, main event is tied in with the uh, World Poker Tour. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, what's going to happen there. But 
that is uh, really kind of coming on the scene as uh, certainly the little brother of uh, Hollywood uh, um, seminal operations, but growing up a big time and catching up to uh, older brother Hollywood. Yeah, and, and an old friend running that room, getting, getting rewarded for doing such a great job at uh, Coconut Creek. Yeah, Pablo, Pablo. Uh, Perez, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the main event for them starts on June the 19th, $3,500 buy-in, uh, and they will have um, two days, actually the 18th, 18th and 19th, a Friday and a Saturday, $3,500 buy-in, starting at 11, p- 11 a.m. both days, move to day two on Sunday, and then the final table on the four on uh, day four on tuesday june 22nd so uh tampa's tournament coming up palm beach kennel club also having a tournament uh that's uh i mentioned uh so lots of stuff happening around the state and none of it in hollywood right now but uh they did just finish a tournament over the weekend uh and uh kind of has a little bit of a tie-in for our show because uh uh the winner we don't know cosman joldis was the winner of the deepest stack uh, tournament, $1,700 buy-in with a 200000 guarantee. He won the tournament, but he finishing second was Steve Karp, a good friend of ours. Oh, good for Steve. Who's been playing very well lately. Uh, he had a tough situation going into head-to-head play. Uh, he had a, a big deficit going into there and hung on for quite a while, but proved to be a little too great. But uh, Joldis wins 120000 for the title, while Steve Karp wins uh, $80,250 for second place. Oh, congratulations, Steve. And like you mentioned, his name always seems to come up, come out of your mouth there when you're talking about some of these tournaments. You know? Yeah, very, very much lately. When I went over there for the uh, Seminole Showdown, I think he finished 18th in the main event, and uh, he was uh, playing deeply into some others. So, uh, obviously, on top of his game right now, no question, and uh, certainly wish him the best. Yeah, thank you know, congratulations, Steve. And look at this. He, he's getting real close to having a big breakout win in some huge tournament. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be very happy for him when that happens. Yeah, no question. I spoke of Connecticut in the Northwest. Meanwhile, Massachusetts... Uh, their poker rooms have been closed. Uh, lots of COVID restrictions still up there. Uh, they're removing a lot of them this weekend, but uh, operators of the big hotels are uh, dragging their feet as far as opening some of these rooms. So neither MGM Springfield nor the Encore at Boston Harbor have announced any plans that when their poker rooms will reopen. So, um, you know, obviously completely different situation from here and several other places out West, but, uh, you know, they're, they're erring on the side of caution if they're erring at all. Yeah. And, um, actually while you and I are talking right now, I'm actually texting my brother-in-law who works at Calder because I was told that, Today they were, you know, going without masks for everybody. Right. They just just did that this weekend. Uh, a lot of the restrictions. They're taking down the plexiglass in a lot of these places, and uh, you know, masks are not being required anymore. So things are definitely uh, getting back to normal in in a lot of so, aspects. Okay. So you did know that you were able to verify that. Yes. Correct. Okay. Very good then, because uh, I heard that in our my, my yesterday's meeting at work. Um, and anticipation to see what we're going to do at Casino Miami, the uh, you know, and at Magic City. The talk is Hialeah will probably follow suit right away. 
So I haven't confirmed that yet, but that's that seems to be the, on the rumor mill that they'll probably, uh, you know, follow suit with call, you know, with call and get rid of the, the masks and the division. So all these big plexiglass uh, partitions uh, coming down. Uh, I think you're pretty smart not to put those up because it's a lot of work to take them down. Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> it, it was never going to happen for us, you know, as far as I know. Although, Dave, I don't know when the last time you were in the casino, I don't know how long ago. I would imagine it was over a month or so ago in our stadium seating section. Uh, they put up plexiglass there, I don't probably maybe two months ago. Uh, the companies who run those machines, you know, that I guess we, we rent them from or our, whatever the arrangement is. You know, I I came in one day to work and was by where they they play, and I go, are we putting up plexiglass? And I was told by one of the attendants, no, that that was the company who owns the machines that was doing that. So. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, speaking of Negranu, you mentioned Negranu, and speaking of plexiglass, uh, this is kind of a situation that just happened. That I want to pass it along because he's in the news again. Uh, not for uh, anything new with Helmuth or anything like that, but he was playing in a tournament uh, at the uh, Venetian, a $25,000 high roller, and uh, I guess he got knocked out of the event, and he made some kind of joke like, uh, I guess he got beat when when he had uh, pocket nines and uh, the guy three-bet jammed with ace four from the big blind and then got an ace on the board run out. So uh, he got knocked out of the event, and he made a joke, said, uh, how do I break these things, talking about the plexiglass? And when I first read it, I thought, wow, this guy, lately since he got married, he's kind of really turned into an asshole, and he's always uh, having problems and that sort of thing. But when I read it closer, it was he was completely joking, and then they had a video of it, and he kind of stood on his chair and grabbed the top of the plexiglass and when he did it broke uh, the whole piece broke in half and uh so he didn't do it on purpose and he said uh i guess that plexiglass is is not as strong as we thought it was and he handed the corner <laughs> piece to the to the guy who knocked him out of the tournament so uh it's kind of funny actually but uh uh he's okay yeah we we've never heard of that you know we we know that he's been mad at certain people and upset with some of the comments they made well a lot of cursing on some the of these world. some of these online streams he really lost his uh, stuff and uh, some of those and, and really got nasty but um he's he's got into it with a couple of guys and much like uh, a different situation with the ex-president but using twitter to promote yourself can often be very good so he got this match with polk and and moves on and getting a lot of publicity and uh, big money events by uh, putting stuff online and uh now this latest thing is uh, uh a tie-in with uh, brandon Cantu, who is uh I don't know, I wouldn't call him one of the uh, honorable guys in the sport, but uh, he's uh, he's a guy that has had some uh, back and forth with Negreanu over the years, and uh, he trashed Negreanu online when he talked about his head-to-head play against uh, Helmuth and that sort of thing. So they went back and forth on a few things, and, and Daniel brought up some of his past indiscretions as far as not paying people back and that sort of thing. And... Uh, so that's that kind of the latest up thing that in the Brandon news. wasn't paying people back. Yeah, he's had some problems in the past, and uh, he explained it away by saying, uh, "You know, 
He said, I didn't scam or rob anybody, but I maybe got in over my head a few years ago when I was first starting to play. So, uh, you know, if you want to call that, uh, you know, evil, I guess you can. But meanwhile, well, Negreanu, listen, I'm sorry, ahead. Dave, but as no, long as you pay back your debt, if you pay back your debt, it's good with me. Uh, I don't think he has, though. That's the problem is I don't think he's paid these people back. And Negreanu called him basically a deadbeat thief. Well, guess what? If, if if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> <laughs> it must be a duck, you know. Uh, I don't know how long ago. He's saying when he first started, so we're talking years and years later. Yeah, I guess like eight, eight years ago, says uh, Cantu. Eight that, years ago? Has he, he borrowed had a, some success? Yeah, he did have some there? success. Yes, uh, but he, okay. he says he borrowed above his means as a high-stakes player. And uh, Negreanu <laughs> fired back and said, you borrowing money from anyone to play poker is akin to theft because you never had a shot to hold on to any money. <laughs> so, you know, he was he was throwing rocks. What, what's that saying about living in glass houses and throwing rocks? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you want to take on Daniel or anybody. I mean, as far as I know, Daniel's reputation, at least publicly, has never been tarnished, right? Right. Well, so. I won't say that. Not not as far as, uh, you know, honorable uh, repaying of debts and, you know, not pulling things against the rules. But, you know, maybe some of the other things he's said and done have uh, rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah. You know, when I've seen it, the, the rubbing the wrong way is usually people who <laughs> who might need that rubbing the wrong way, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but again... Uh, those those are just my opinions. That's all. Yeah. Uh, the other news uh, on head-to-head play is that uh, uh, Doug Polk, who we mentioned, has now challenged Helmuth to a match. And uh, Cantu uh, said, I will play Daniel Negreanu head-to-head for his entire net worth. So a lot of talk out there and a lot of uh, gum flapping. But Brian Cantu said he'd play for his Brandon, net worth? Brandon, Brandon Cantu said he would play uh, Negreanu for his net worth. I guess he's got another idiot backer then, if, if you want to believe Negrano's comments about him. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. now with social media, nobody uh, has to go face-to-face with anybody for the most part, so it makes people very, very uh, courageous. Yeah, just like these idiots that threw bottles uh, and spit on basketball professional athletes. Right. And, They'd cower, they'd cower and get into the fetal position if they encountered these people on the street. Yeah, and sure. never have the nerve, or or the or the as they say in Spanish, the cojones to say those things to them. So, yeah. Uh, the other news that came out that I thought was very interesting, I thought I would just mention it real quick, is, uh, you know, we've seen professional athletes play in poker, and uh, we know now that Tony Parker, uh, the former point guard for the uh, San Antonio Spurs has qualified to play in the World Series of Poker main event. He took down a charity tournament back, back in a charity tournament back in January and won a seat to the uh, $10,000 buy-in main event. So uh, that should be very interesting. Yes, it is. Very nice to just win it like that because I'm sure Tony would have had no problem forking up the $10,000 if he really wanted to play in it. No, he was married to Eva Longoria at one time. I don't believe he still is, though. No, no, they got she's she's with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> they got divorced rather quickly. 
Imagine that. Anyway, uh, that's some of the latest news. Uh, no more news out of um, the Seminole Compact, except to say that uh, the governor did sign it last week, and that will lead to the next step. You mentioned uh, the Department of Interior not really rejecting anything in the past, so that's kind of a rubber stamp. But there's lots of legal challenges, and I think uh, as far as uh, this nocasinos.org group, uh, probably first one to swing into action, and we'll be hearing about uh, a dragging court system for probably months to come. Have you heard of anybody that's filed yet? Uh, I do believe that uh, Sawinski, I believe they filed something, yes. Okay. Because uh, we believe that Norman Brayman down here uh, is probably going to do something similar too. So, Well, he, uh, he actually has supported this uh, move to uh, open a room in Edgewater because when they agreed not to uh, pursue a casino games, um, slot machines, you know, he uh, all of a sudden was not as uh, against the idea of opening a poker room and a high lie there. But now the decoupling's gone through. That could be uh, a mute point. And, and where was it that he wanted to do it? Uh, well, Magic City opening the Edgewater thing. Is that by the, the one that was supposed to be on Biscayne or something? Biscayne and 3300 Biscayne, yeah. I don't know okay. if that's going to ever happen now. That's a good chance that will not happen. I seriously doubt that. Plus, uh, I think the the Big Easy has ties to the Fountain Blue. That isn't going to happen. Probably not. Uh, so, Doral um, with Trump, Trump Doral, um, trying to get a room to move there. But uh, these, it's all just talk right now. So, rather than discuss it now, we'll wait to see something concrete happens. All I know is, I honestly, well, I believe because of the compact that on October 15th we'll be able to do some sports betting in this state. Even if we can't do it at all these other places, uh, I'm sure they'll have worked out, you know, you'll be able to setting up accounts and placing bets uh, on your phone if you don't live near one of the Seminole properties. Right, for sure. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but I don't know. Uh, let's take a break here on the show a little bit early, but I do want to get into some uh, strategy talk, so I'll, I'll kind of tease it here by giving you the hand that I want to talk about and different ways to play it. A very interesting article that I read. And you'll know that uh, this is something that uh, hits very close to home for me um, because at the last tournament I played in, I actually got knocked out of the tournament with the same hand, and that is Ace-10 suited. So I'll let you think about that for a minute when we come back. Uh, different play, different ways to play it, depending on your position. And I had a good uh, article about it. I want you to think about it and decide how you would play it, depending on your table position. Okay, we'll discuss this when we come back. Yes. Uh, so we'll take this break on the show. Uh, coming to you from South Florida as usual. Uh, you can always find the show on SoundCloud on. Um, Spotify, any of the places you get your uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We love to have you review the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show, and uh, be a regular customer for us as well. I know that uh, people have a lot of stuff going on during the summer, so uh, you know we have obviously have uh, dropped off just a little bit, but we're looking forward to uh, grinding with the World Series of Poker uh, later in the year this year. 
and continue uh, bringing you some great interviews and some great stuff along that line. Uh, of course, uh, Hold'em Radio Network, which continues to grow, by the way. They have a lot of stuff going on. They still carry us on their website and the Poker Fuse podcast page uh, as well. Uh, I saw a interview on a podcast uh, on Poker News with Bernard Lee, who we just had on the show about a month ago, talking about how he came to poker in the first place, uh, how he discovered poker and got started in the game. So uh, that's an interesting listen out there as well. Uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we come back. We'll talk a little strategy and a few other things up ahead. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. And their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the play for real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men, cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez from uh, South Florida, bringing you another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, before I get to that uh, strategy discussion here, uh, something that I found very interesting uh, is that college students 
who obviously are a should be a target for uh, online poker and that sort of thing, are actually going to be able to compete globally in a new competition called the World College Poker Championships in conjunction with uh, Poker Stars. I thought that was pretty interesting. It's actually going to start in the month of July, and it's free to enter with valuable prizes. Uh, and uh, all the all you need to do is uh, is attend an eligible university, college, or vocational school, have an up to date student ID, be at least eighteen years old, and there's a maximum age of twenty nine. So this is for young people, and they will be playing uh, the World uh, College Poker. Uh, event consists of four rounds of No Limit Hold'em tournaments beginning July 24th. Players are initially divided up by regions for the first round, six regions around the world. And the top 50 players from each region will advance to round two. The 300 players will then get together on July 31st to play a new tournament until they play down to 45 uh, and then come back on August 7th. So there will be some prizes uh, involved. Courtesy of Poker Stars, there'll be a tournament entry into a European Poker Tour event. Uh, there'll be a uh, some online um, teaching sites that will offer uh, some access to their uh, teaching. Uh, you'll have a chance to get a heads-up match against Patrick Antonius to be either be played online or at an EPT event. And then a few other things. The Faded Spade playing cards uh, will send a couple of decks. There's a new uh, uh, beverage called Brain Fuel that uh, Phil Helmuth is supporting. Win some of that stuff as well. And a couple of books and some run good travel gear as well. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. That would be someone who I would target for some of my events. Wouldn't you, Joe? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Sounds very interesting. I mean, we know that a lot of big-name players went to college, then never finished college because they were so successful at playing online in their dorm room. <laughs> what do you want to bet some of these if they become successful? I don't know. Did they mention what kind of prizes they'll be getting? Yeah, I, I just went down the list. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. List I, I, I must have had a problem hearing that. <laughs> you said they were going to be getting some prizes. That's yeah, some uh, poker lessons and uh, oh, I'm sorry. a few things. Uh, Heads-up match against Patrick Antonius. Uh, $250 in uh, run good gear. Uh, membership uh, to uh, Card Player Magazine. A uh, book by, written by Bill Perkins. Uh, and a European tour tournament entry worth 8,000 euros. So a lot of good prizes. But, uh, I thought those were going to be more like door prizes. I, I, <laughs> I thought they'd actually get some cash, some, well, something of, of, of value. Uh, and not to say that that isn't worth value, obviously. 8,000 euros is not uh, nothing to sneeze at. No, no. That's probably about 10,000, 11,000 U.S. So, uh, all right. Sounds nice. Okay. Well, let's get to this other thing. An article I read on uh, Poker News. And uh, it says, how to play Ace-10 suited in cash games. Of course, mine was in a tournament, so it's not quite the same thing. But look at this as a cash game, and I'll discuss uh, different situations. You tell me how you would play it. Okay. Uh, Ace-10 suited. And uh, for if the pot is unopened uh, because of this, uh, and you're let's say let's say you're opening and uh, no one's in the in the hand yet. How would you play that? Would you bet or or uh, check? Most people most people would 
would bet the pot. You know, would, you, you're talking pre-flop, right? Before yes. the flop. Yes. Well, you're gonna you're gonna either call the blind or raise, depending how far down the table. You know, how far off uh, the button or the or the big blind that you're at. Um, you know, usually lets me know if I'm gonna put it. You know, you know, three bet it um, and put in a raise there. <clears throat> If I believe that some of my opponents behind me are loose players and are capable of raising with anything and might isolate me with them, I might check and let them. And uh, I mean, Ace Ten is a nice hand, but it's you know it's not it's not the, the uh, end all be all hand either. Right. It's a decent hand, but you know you get into a lot of trouble with Ace Ten, even Ace Jack. So uh, you know. But in a cash game, it, obviously it's played differently than, than you mentioned. You, you, you had that with the tournament, correct? Right. And, and so I would probably take a raise there um, if my opponents are straight-up players. <clears throat> a crazy player, that could be a monster hand, you know, again, seat position um, and your opponent. So would dictate how I would play that hand. Okay, the fellow wrote the article, says he thinks you should open raise it from any position, be seeing how it is uh, among the top 12% of preflop hands. But he asks, what if you are going against an open raise? Does that change your thought? Yeah, I mean, depending on on the person and how much respect I have for them. You know, um, if your opponent who raises before you is capable of raising with any two cards, you might want to re-raise them. If you know that a, that opponent to be a tight player and only raises with premium hands, you might consider letting the hand go. You know, again, so much of how I would play my hand is based on the people and the information that I've acquired, either through house games where you've played with them for years or the amount of time that you've played for them on the table. So if you sat down and this was your fourth or fifth hand, you're just playing the hand the way you would play it against other people that you know without having that information. So um, I'd probably call the raise there and not re-raise if it was someone I didn't know and I'm new to the game. Okay. Uh, Something that I found interesting or not really knowing uh, right or wrong I was, he does say, when you're playing from the big blind, the hand is often a mixed strategy against different open raises from different positions. He says, I suggest you three bet with it rather than call, but it's up to you to decide. But when playing from the small blind, you will always want to three bet this hand. Does he explain why? No, he doesn't. He doesn't really say why. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know why don't, that would make such a difference. <laughs> Okay. I don't know why it's always a three bet there. Okay, I, you know, I'd like to know what his his thought process is behind it. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess it's because you're first to act. You got the worst position. I, you know, uh, I don't understand. I, you know, and yeah. again, I play the hands based on most of the times based on my opponents, what they're capable of having. Uh, you know how aggressive or non-aggressive they are, whether they're calling stations or not. You know, these, are, these are the things that come with experience, you know, in years of playing with them. The young group obviously have played differently because they've got so many different venues out there uh, that help them, you know, 
get great strategy in a much shorter period of time. But uh, I'm very old school, and yeah. I got to play with these players to see, you know, what I believe they're capable of doing. Okay, the next situation is uh, what do you do against a three bet? He said you open, then you get raised, you face a three bet, you can either call, four bet, or fold. And he said uh, he said these are all pretty close in, in EV. Um, and he says, uh, you know, how often you want a four bet bluff with his hand depends on the three betting frequency of your opponent. Once again, that's see how he said that's based on the frequency. If that if that opponent is a tight player, and he he perceives me as a decent enough player, where he knows that I'll vary playing strong hands, weak, weak hands, strong, and and everything in between, and uh, comes right out and three bets, you know, re raises me. More than likely, I'm throwing that out. If he if he's not that aggressive, that you know, if he's if he's an ABC player. You're probably dominated. You know, either an ace with a bigger kicker, or you know, pocket queens, pocket kings. You know what I'm saying? So right, right. that's where I would put that type of player. Now, if it's a person who's been constantly three betting every anybody who's raised in front of him, then you you might consider four rate. You know, re raising him. You know, and uh, and and see and see what happens. So. Like you always say in uh, in poker, Dave, it depends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Depends. We always come back to that. That's for sure. It depends. Uh, now, it. if the flop comes and uh, you hit the flop, basically somehow, whether it's uh, you know maybe uh, getting a ten on the flop or some sort of a draw set set up for you, uh, he says that you always bet when you hit top pair in position. And you almost always bet when you hit middle pair on the flop in position. Yeah, you you want to put the pressure on your opponent. Your opponent may think you're bluffing and has a, a has the middle pair with a weaker kicker. Um, so that that to me sounds like a very good strategy. Uh, and then three tips for playing when you miss the flop with that hand. He says always bet when you hit a draw and you're in position. Uh, let's see. What else does he say? He says, uh, always bet when you have a double backdoor draw in position. For example, uh, on your ace 10, you get, uh, the flop is Jack queen eight. So now a or nine queen, or queen nine, seven, he says, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, yeah. Jack eight, six or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, not Jack eight, six with an ace 10 hand. You'd want to have a jack queen eight. Right. That way, a nine gives you a straight, or a king gives you a straight. Right, right. And he so said it, double. It, even back. though it doesn't look open ended, it is open ended for you because of the two cards you've got. Right. Okay, and then uh, finally, uh, he says always check back when you don't have a draw or, back, or or flush draw in single raised pots. Yeah, there's no reason to try to buy that pot because your opponent may have hit. Hit the flop, and it's just waiting to see. You know, um, again, Dave. This I, I love the fact that they're putting all these things out there together. Now, what does he? Why does he say that? What's his reasoning behind it? 
He says, uh, for that last uh, scenario, he says, uh, the best bluffing hands tend to be those that actually have a decent chance to become the best hand by the river. He said, when you don't have some backdoors to go with your ace high, uh, you just want to check back with ace-10 suited and try to steer the hand to a showdown. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think most players with any little bit of experience or have been studying the game would do that. You know, when you've missed the flop completely, and let's assume you had ace-10 of hearts, no hard hits the board, so you have no backdoor chat at a flush, uh, flop could come out, you know, 4-6 or 4-5-9, you know, you, you, you practically don't have a straight draw there. Uh, you know, you, you've completely missed that flop. Uh, I'm checking this down unless I have a great reputation that I think I'm going to steal it in. More than likely, that's how you have to play that hand. And I'm not going to invest a lot of money in a pot that doesn't have a lot in it to begin with to try to take it down. You know, so. Well, if you remember the scenario that I, that I was caught in when I played it, it came. I think the flop was king queen seven uh, with, two, two with, cards, with, right? with two suited cards that that matched my uh, ace ten of they, diamonds. You, I think it was. What you did, if I remember correctly. I would have done the exact same thing. Right. Anybody in your position, you were you were shorter on chips. That's a that believe it or not, that's not a bad flop at all. Right. You know, because you know obviously you're going to be all in. People are going to call you, but you got a lot of ways to win that pot. Uh, it didn't happen for you, but you know, as I've said before, uh, <laughs> some sometimes you know you, you play the hand perfectly. And you still lose. Um, and like I tell people, you know, that's like the doctor saying the operation was a success, but the patient died anyway. Yeah. So uh, sometimes that happens in poker. You know, got to remember those situations. It's funny because in poker, it's a double-edged sword. Dave. Yeah, for sure. Got to forget. You got to forget some of the bad beats and some of those things. But yet you got to remember what other people have played against you and how they've played so that you can improve your game, especially when you're heads up with these people in the future. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on was the, was the conversation we had before the show started, and that's what, um, well, not happened to you directly, but happened to the business that you're working at. You're running the room at Casino Miami. And we're having a really bad problem with a lots of gun violence down here right now. It seems like there's something almost every single day. Uh, national news when that uh, those guys jumped out of the uh, SUV and fired into the crowd and 20 people were hit at, uh, at the uh, concert up there in uh, North Miami. And, of course, every day it seems like there's uh, some sort of gunfight or, or uh, battle down here in South Florida. But last week, and I'm sure people wondered because uh, they know you work at Miami – and there was news and actually footage of uh, a shooting out there that kind of ended up at Casino Miami in the Valley parking area. And basically, why don't you tell the story? But it happened somewhere else. And uh, one group of guys in a car chased another group of guys in a car, apparently gang related. And they ended up in the Valley parking area right outside your poker room. Yeah, Dave. And uh, it was funny because I was at work that day and I punched out approximately 27 minutes before you know the shooting began and uh got a call from my uh, uh one of my supervisors who was in charge of the floor at that time and uh you know called me and i go what's up and he goes 
she said to me, what should I do? And I go, what should you do what? And then she goes, there's been a shooting here. And at first, everyone believed it was in the casino. And obviously, which stirred some panic. Uh, you know, uh, there was no shooting in the casino. As you mentioned, it was in the valet tunnel. And then as the car, for anybody who has seen the uh, YouTube video or the news video on this, the car kind of just, I guess, uh, was in neutral and rolled back, and the people shooting at him continue to shoot. Have you seen that video, Dave? I, Joe, have I have, and the car, the car had the driver's side door open, and uh, the door got caught on a sign outside of valet, and it ended up running into a pole. Uh, exactly, and what happened was, as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, that the, apparently this started somewhere around uh, 54th Street and somewhere between 30th Avenue and 22nd Avenue. I haven't gotten the exact details, but it's right there. And the one group, there was a dark sedan and, a, and the white sedan. And the black sedan was shooting at the white sedan, which had three people in it. And, you know, the, the actual crime scene was probably around three, three and a half miles long because they were trying to run away from them. The driver, uh, two people did get hit, one in the arm. The driver, I think, was a little more serious, uh, although he, he, they both turned out to be okay. Um, and from all accounts that I've heard, he just got there, you know, hit the brakes, I would imagine, probably injured, didn't put on the brakes, and uh, ran into the casino. People saw a person bleeding and, you know, screaming. And like I said, if you watch the video, something like 20 or 30 shots were they found between the uh, tunnel and the outside somewhere around 39 to 44 show casings. So uh, they really were after these people. And one of my patrons uh, there, one of the players, told me he was outside having a smoke outside those doors by the poker room, Dave. And he could hear the shooting as they were coming, heading eastbound on 36th Street right before they turned in. Right. So, uh, like I always tell people, never a dull day down here in Miami. So, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're just but, grateful. Uh, no one, none of the page, you know, none of our guests. Uh, it didn't occur between two guests, and never took place inside the casino. Um, as as you said, the the guy in the white car was seeking refuge in there from these people. Right. But uh, they were they were hell bent on trying to kill these guys for sure and. Um, you know, as is probably the case with most of these drive-by shootings, like you, and you mentioned the the uh, concert venue, uh, the billiards club. Um, I'm sure that it was stolen tags that they put on. I don't know if you saw that they actually dumped that car that took place uh, in a late in a yeah. Race, I saw you know, they found it in the bottom, yeah, nine miles yeah, away. So, but uh, you know, I, I was I was told that they had stolen tags right. on the on this black sedan that that was doing the shooting in the casino and throughout, um, you know, so, um, well, it is getting crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. And I'm not, I'm not uh, going to be terrified of leaving my apartment or anything. Uh, and I'm not going to buy a rear view mirror for my shoulder, but uh, I have to say, um, if you're in a position of authority and you have to think about the care of your patrons, you certainly have to be concerned. Absolutely. Anywhere you go today, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Memorial Day weekend for many years now has been a weekend with a lot of violence down in Miami Beach. 
Uh, you know, many years ago, you know, police shot up a car where they supposedly had well over 200 bullet holes in it. Uh, you know, and for any of our listeners that are from out of the state, you know, I'm sure they've been seeing some of the stuff that's been going on down there. I believe the mayor down there has put a uh, two o'clock cutoff on liquor. So we had a shooting in Winwood, which is another local bar club place. Um, I don't know, David. It is getting kind of scary that they're just, you know, there's this disregard for human life. They don't give a damn who gets injured, you know. Uh, so I know you don't want to live. I don't, I'm going to, I'm not going to live in fear either, but you're definitely going to have to be watching things a little closer now and trying to anticipate problems. If, if you think, you know, you get one of those feelings. Yeah. Well, you asked me before the show about Gulfstream and, you know, if they had any plans to reopen the card room again, they don't seem to, to have any of such plans. Uh, you know, I doubt it's because of this uh, recent spate of violence, but, uh, you know, just looking at their numbers and this uh, listener that we have, Charles, that sent me some information back in January about the, the drop over the years from like uh, uh, the uh, 2014-15 season where they did 5.5 million in gross receipts down to about 3 million in 18-19. So they had dropped off about 33%, I guess. I guess that is part of the reason, uh, and they have so much on the line as far as their horse racing goes. Um, they had actually uh, joined with the Genting Corporation to uh, take over the operation of the casino in the poker room a few years ago, but numbers kept going down. And, uh, you know, I talked to Scott. He said he was kind of out of the business, so he didn't know what the latest filing was all about. But again, he figured, like you did, that they want to keep the license just in case some things change. So he's not going to be involved in poker, and they're not going to have a poker room. So just seeing that, that was one of the rooms we were really involved in early in our show. And I, you know, I really, uh, you know, kind of fear for the future of poker down here. No, there's there's no reason for you to fear for that, Dave. Uh, you know. As soon as the free giveaway that the government's been giving so many people, poker will come back. Um, but guess what, Dave? I, I mentioned this many, many years ago that, you know, we have spoiled our players down here so much um, that you're actually reaching into your pocket to have these people come in here to, you know, give out more promotions, you know, than, than dollars that you're taking in for your promotions you know, you mentioned the one table. The fee, I believe, is still the exact same as it was in 97 when we started, which uh, you pay $1,000 for your first table and 500 for every additional table that you want to be given permission to run. So, you know, a company like Gulfstream, uh, you would know this better. Which which uh, which horsing uh, association are they? Churchill or Santa Anita? Which Ch one are they? Ch Churchill Downs is... Churchill you know, Downs, you know, a thousand dollars to keep that license to maybe not go through the process of, you know, every time you close a room and you're going to reopen it, you got to get reinspected. But you know, who knows what kind of hoops they're making them jump through now? If you do close your room, I mean, I don't know what I don't remember anything special happening when we reopened up our room, uh, you know, a few years ago. You know what I mean? Right. right. So. Uh, I, listen, for $1,000, keeping those options available for, for a year buys you a year. Uh, maybe do it next year. You know, who knows? 
who knows how remember the explosion with Chris Moneymaker around the country um, we're, we're doing great numbers like you mentioned tournaments are coming back uh, there's just been a shift in uh, in power you know you mentioned earlier in the show the aisle was always one of the island Palm Beach Kennel Club which you talked about also earlier in the show were always fighting for one and two in the in the in the state for revenue. Right, yeah, for a long time. You know, now Jacksonville just kicks everybody in the ass. You know, their numbers over the last three months and I'm I know I'm gonna be very, very close if not on the money, are like two point five million, two point three, two point four. Those those were their monthly revenues, um, which does include the D P games. So without knowing, you know, how much revenue they they generate with those DP games, but those are those are just ridiculous numbers. Think yeah. about it. Palm Beach Kennel Club and the Isle fought like crazy, and it was, you know, they were always a million one, and the other one was either at a million or just below it or a little bit above it. They they kept you know alternating months as to who would get the million dollar revenue, and for someone like myself that. I saw how much work had to go into generating, you know, my highest month at Casino Miami was 497000 So you're talking half of what they were doing. It, you know, it's hard to imagine, you know, how busy the, the work that has to go into it. So Jacksonville producing over $2 million is just, you know, unbelievable. And, you know, my guess is once we get settled down, all these restrictions are off. And hopefully we start training some new dealers or some dealers decide they want to live down here again uh, because that's the biggest problem right now, Dave. Right, right. Big shortage sure. of dealers down here. Yeah, for and sure. And practically all around the country. Well, let me let me ask you a couple of questions that Charles sent me uh, regarding this. Now, uh, as as I mentioned on the show last week, I'm taking a position for the summer uh, as a poker brush over at Dania. And uh, so I'll know a lot of these answers maybe in a few weeks, but uh, I'll have you address them now. Um, he wanted to know, are dealers uh, independent con- contractors or are they actually considered part or full-time employees? Part and full-time employees. Okay. Uh, so they don't, they're not 1099. They actually uh, no, you know, have no, a W-2. No, they are an employee of the casino because... They have to secure a state license. Are they, okay. are they are they paid as tipped employees? And what about the yes. floor and the, yes. and the brushes? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So, you know, I would imagine when I was there a few years ago, they were paying us five dollars and five cents an hour. Okay, but they could they could pay, could pay as low as two something, right? Uh, I have no idea what what the minimum is for that. Now we're paying like 550 or something 560 along those lines so if we're paying that my guess is that's probably the bottom line on that and his me his last question was uh, are the tips pulled by the dealers or do they keep what just goes in their box okay well that's a great question uh, every single place right now except for one and it's because they don't actually have poker tables running right now uh, every t- dealer keeps their own tips now, great question in the sense that we were the first casino when we opened up to allow our dealers, at least down here, I don't know about the rest of the state, to allow the dealers on the DP tables to keep their own tips. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as other dealers found out that 
that our dealers were doing that. They badgered the hell out of their managers and you know their their company until they most of them have folded into that um, because those DP games are it's a, a down here and they play different ones and one in my room I've I've just got one game there ultimate hold'em or tech, heads up hold'em uh, plays just just like the hold'em game except you're just you all you got to do is beat one person and then the big money comes I'm betting the the exotic bets. And, um, you know, you hit somebody for a fifteen, twenty thousand dollar pot, you know, I've seen one of my dealers got a $2,000 tip on one hand. Okay. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, if the player knows if the, the player who you happen to give a, a, a very generous hand to and is a generous tipper knows that if he gives you $200, it's going to go into a pool like, uh, what Omar used to do over there at Dania and everybody right. else. It was idiotic as a manager, and everyone's like, "Oh no, it's better." To, to me, it was completely idiotic. If you pulled every dealer, every single one of them would have said, "Oh no, well, what happens if this person hits nothing but stiffs?" Right. I told them the exact same thing happens if they sit down at a table and and they deal, you know, their 15 to 18 hands a half hour to the two or three people who don't tip. Nothing is different there. So if you already know that these people are going to, instead of giving you a $200 tip, oh, it's going to be pulled and I don't like those three dealers, here's $5 and $10 for you. Nobody gave a damn. Dealers didn't give a damn about dealing that game, especially in Dania. We could care less about dealing that game because you weren't going to make any money. You know, um, yeah. you know the, I don't know why Omar and, and they did it, I guess, over there, but to me those were idiotic moves. Uh, instead of motivating the dealer to get more hands out, hoping they hit him, hit a good customer with something. Um, I actually got tipped $300 at the poker table by a player that I gave like 10000 to in Dania, and he knew this. And when I sat down, he, oh, he used to sit sometimes in seat nine or one, and boom, put three, three black chips in my, my tip jar. The supervisor on duty saw that and made me take those 300 out. He goes, you know you were tipped that from the DP hand that you gave him. Oh, so, geez. needless to say, I was a, a little bit upset. <laughs> I, I wasn't using yeah, kind thanks, words. Thanks, like thanks, thanks a I lot, buddy. Right. A shit. I, I told him, I said, I could give two shits what, what, you know, that I'm talking to you like this. I go, I'm a, I was a manager. They tipped me on the poker table, but I wound up losing that, that argument. Well, you know, Charles, but, th thank you for all those questions. Uh, we're running out of time here, but I guess the bottom line, let's just say, uh, I know you're looking for dealers. Lots of places are down here. It's still a pretty damn good job, and uh, people should consider it uh, as uh, as they lose their unemployment benefits and want to go back to work. Well, Dave, I don't know, you know, uh, many college graduates that are getting out there and if you're if you hone your skills and and your personality and know how to do this right, you know there's n there's no reason to ex uh, to expect that you're not going to earn fifteen hundred dollars a week minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you, right there you're talking about seventy five to eighty thousand seventy eight thousand dollars a year job. You know I don't yeah. not too many college students and there are dealers galore now. That are making well over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. Well, well, keep, well, keep that keep that in mind, folks, as uh, as you make your decisions. Charles, thanks for your questions. I appreciate it. Keep them coming. Uh, you can always reach me at lemondave at yahoo.com. 
uh, Lemon Dave, one word, L-E-M-M-O-N, two M's, Dave at Yahoo.com. So, Joe, thank you uh, for all the information today. Uh, Joe Costello, thank you for all your work on the board for us. And uh, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back next week with another one uh, as we move forward into the summer. Lots of things happening, things getting back to normal. So we need to start to make our plans as well for an important summer coming here in South Florida. Thanks for being with us on the program. Look forward to uh, seeing you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 